nuclear power growing again is we're gaining broad-based support, whether it's just public opinion or political support. And you know, for much of my career, the nuclear power was always supported by the political right and opposed by the political left. Well, we have a situation now where both Democrats and Republicans in the United States support nuclear power. If you're on the left side of the equation, you love the carbon-free aspects of nuclear power. If you're on the right, you just want reliable, affordable electricity that, that runs all the time and powers our economy. Yes, the, the broader economy has impacts, but nuclear power is baseload. It's uh, it's running 24-7 all the time, uh, whether the, the Dow is up or down or whether interest rates are high or low or inflation's uh, are running uh, high levels as it has been. Nuclear power uh, plants are consuming uranium fuel. And so I think of all the commodities, I think commodities are going to be a very good uh, bet. Resource investors, their patience is going to be rewarded in 2023. But I think uranium will probably be the best performing commodity over the course of next year. Welcome to another RTD interview. Today, I'm excited to have returning guest, Mr. Scott Melby. He's the CEO of Uranium Royalty Corp. He's a 36-year veteran in the nuclear energy industry, and today he's joining us to share his thoughts on the economy, the energy sector, as well as opportunities in the royalty space. So, Scott, how are you doing, my friend? Mike, it's, I'm doing great, and it's a pleasure to be uh, on your program again. Well, I appreciate you taking time, as always. Uh, looking forward to connecting again. It's been a while uh, since we've last uh, you know, been in touch, but definitely looking forward to find out what's happening with your Uranium Royalty Corp. Uh, before we do that, I'm curious to get your thoughts as we end 2022. Uh, what are some things that perhaps concerns you about this previous year? We had uh, geopolitical conflicts, inflation, you name it. What excites you? What concerns you heading into 2023? Well, it, it, it's really interesting. I mean, I think energy is on the top of, of everybody's minds these days and for very good reason. Um, you know, as we go into 2023, uh, we're a society that is, is the most computerized, high-tech society that, that mankind has ever known. Uh, many moving us towards uh, complete electrification of our transportation sector. Yet, as we sit today, we have first world nations and, uh, you know, even parts of the United States where we're suffering from exorbitant energy costs, blackouts, unreliability of energy. I mean, California wants to go to all electric vehicles by, by 2030 or 35, but it cannot deliver reliable electricity to homes and businesses in 2022. So uh, obviously there's some issues. Um, I think it really boils down to a couple things. I mean, we're hurtling into this energy transition, the green energy transition. Uh, there's nothing wrong with producing energy uh, more cleanly, uh, but we're kind of pursuing a more ideological approach and not enough math and science behind that. And so you're seeing the consequences in places like Germany, uh, in California and elsewhere. Um, we need to rely more on, on, on the science and math, which is probably greater reliance on natural gas and nuclear energy, in my opinion. But then we also have the energy independence question where um, we've, you know, we've kind of grown complacent and we've relied on countries that don't share our values or interests like Russia or China for critical minerals and energy commodities. And that's really coming home to roost uh, in, in before our very eyes in Germany with the Russian invasion of Ukraine, but it even impacts us uh, uh, here as well. And uh, it's just, uh, it's a good time to talk about where we get our energy sources, where nuclear energy fits, and of course, the uranium fuel that that powers that energy sector. So 
Right. Good point there. So I guess one of the most uh, important matters that I've been paying attention to slightly is the uh, strategic petroleum reserves. And so this year, due to all those things you factored in, energy concerns, uh, the U.S. decided to dive deep into our reserves. And I think about 180 million barrels was unleashed. And just recently, I think uh, as of this past week, they uh, happened to purchase 3 million barrels. So that's a major difference there. And so moving forward, uh, you know, what are your thoughts on that? I'm assuming it was it was necessary due to the concerns at the pump and things of that nature. But, you know, will the U.S. be able to fully restock before some other event mm -hmm. unfolds or mm -hmm. give us your take on that? Well, I mean, I think rather than drawing on our strategic petroleum reserves, we have enormous reserves of oil and gas uh, in our country that aren't being fully uh, utilized. And as you know, this administration's made it very hard for our oil and gas industry uh, to uh, license uh, permit and, and produce from, from uh, oil and gas wells throughout the United States. And that's, that's the answer. We shouldn't be begging Venezuela or Saudi Arabia for our oil and gas needs. We were energy independent uh, you know, two years ago. So it's not like we don't have the resources. And that <clears throat> really ties into my industry, which is uranium, where um, we were the largest producer in the world in, in 1980 of uranium. Now, these days, nuclear energy that provides 20% of our electricity, 50% of our carbon-free electricity, we're reliant 60% of the uranium fuel for those nuclear power plants in the United States come from Russia, Kazakhstan, and Uzbekistan, despite billions of pounds of known and likely resources in the Western United States and several companies that are permitted, licensed, and can ramp up production um, you know, rather quickly. So <clears throat> we really need to think about energy independence again. And, you know, we're not Russia or, or not, uh, Germany or, or Japan where they're resource poor nations. We have the resources here. We just have to have the political will to develop them. So, uh, you know, my companies, Uranium Energy Corp and Uranium Royalty Corp, you know, we're part of the equation of trying to produce more energy here in North America and other places, friendly places around the world uh, to provide that energy security, at least as it relates to nuclear energy. So in reference to the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, is there anything equivalent to that for the uranium space as well? Well, it's uh, very timely that you asked that question. Um, uh, as part of the Nuclear Fuel Working Group, which dates all the way back to the Trump administration, um, there was uh, a $75 million funding of the first tranche of uh, uranium purchases that would establish a strategic uranium reserve here in the United States. Ideally, it would be a $1.5 billion program over 10 years, which was the recommendation that the first funding came down from Congress in 2020. Here in, in uh, the late stages of 2022, the Department of Energy Nuclear, uh, NNSA has finally um, uh, they solicited the bids earlier this year, and they have made awards. Um, very pleased to report that our uh, my company, Uranium Energy Corp., was awarded 300,000 pounds, or about a $17.85 million award. That comes out at a price of about $59.50 per pound on a unit level. So it's a very uh, um, important uh, step for uh, American energy security and energy independence to begin the, the establishment of this strategic reserve but I'm also very pleased that Uranium Energy Corp has been uh, awarded a portion of, of that contract. Right now, I'm curious to get your thoughts uh, as far as the nuclear capabilities we have here in the U.S. Uh, not, not, I don't dive too deep into it, but I think from my last conversation, you mentioned that a couple plants were going offline as a part of this shift towards the net zero carbon, whatever, whatever. And so I assume has, has anything shifted to where 
you know, because of the threats of blackouts in the West Coast and all those other things, has anything changed to where it's been more favorable for Absolutely. utilizing some of our energy? Yeah, not only in the United States, but globally, where, um, again, uh, you know, there, were this, there was this thought like Germany that we could move away from fossil fuels, we could move away from nuclear power and just rely 100% on wind and solar, which runs 30% of the time. And that's really uh, driven home that the, the value of the existing nuclear power plants that we have on our grid in the United States clearly need to be preserved. And it's unfortunate because we had early retirements of about a little over 10 plants here in the United States in the last uh, six, seven years. And uh, But I don't see that happening at all anymore in the United States. If anything, we're seeing the advent of new nuclear power plants, like the two big ones coming online in Georgia but also the advanced uh, and small modular reactors like we see coming into Wyoming, uh, Idaho, Washington State, and elsewhere um, where we're growing nuclear power again. And we've seen that 65 nuclear power plants have come online around the world in the last nine years. We have another 60 under construction. And uh, <clears throat> so we, we really see nuclear power growing again because of its baseload, reliability, affordability. It's clean and safe as wind and solar, but it runs Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free time not just when the wind blows or the sunshine interesting now with the nuclear side of energy uh and as far as you know zero carbon emissions i mean you know is i mean i'm assuming isn't it possible for them to go hand in hand and run to where it doesn't harm the atmosphere and all the things that i guess the, the globalists or whoever is trying to paint as being harmful for a society so i'm assuming with all that production coming online mm -hmm. then there's something that i'm sure they can work hand in hand together can't that right well, absolutely. And I think that's why we're seeing nuclear power growing again, is we're gaining broad-based support, whether it's just public opinion or political support. And, you know, for much of my career, the last 39 years, um, nuclear power was always supported by the political right and opposed by the political left. Well, we have a situation now where both Democrats and Republicans in the United States support nuclear power. If you're on the left side of the equation, you love the carbon-free aspects of nuclear power. If you're on the right, you just want reliable, affordable electricity that, that runs all the time and powers our economy. So we now see legislation. Um, you know, One of the few things that Re Republicans and Democrats agree on back on Capitol Hill these days is nuclear power. So <clears throat> it, it's not surprising now we're seeing growth and acceptance of this technology really, uh, really expanding. And it's exciting. I mean, um, you know, wind and solar has its place, uh, but again, it's intermittent. It only runs when the wind blows or the sun shines. Um, natural gas in the United States is abundant. Uh, we should make the best and the most abundant use of, of natural gas as we possibly can. But the cost of gas is very volatile. When gas is expensive, that makes the electricity expensive. But it has an important core position in our energy policy. And then nuclear power, is a complement to, to all of those sources because it has stable fuel costs, it runs all the time, and it's uh, you know that, that stabilization of the grid that's so important these days. So um, again, it's, uh, it's an exciting time. Of course, these nuclear power plants are gonna need uranium. 
And so <clears throat> my company, Uranium Energy Corp., the founder of Uranium Royalty Corp., uh, is a producer in Texas and Wyoming and, and even in Saskatchewan, Canada. We're trying to build up and, and restart operations. So we're part of that equation. Uranium Royalty Corp. is funding the next generation of mines like UECs that are coming on in the United States uh, to be able to make sure we have enough uranium fuel for the existing nuclear power plants and all the growth uh, that's coming in the, in the next few years. That's interesting. Now, I'm curious to get your thoughts. I remember one to, I think we talked uh, the last year, you mentioned about uh, SuperCycle. And so just recently, an article from Goldman Sachs headline is 2023 will be the year for commodities to really take effect. And so I'm curious to get your thoughts. So given all the things happening in the financial realm, you know, central banks, quantitative tightening, you name all those things, uh, has what's been taking place with the central banks and the economy been the perfect setup, perhaps? Yeah as uh, for 2023 to be the year where uranium as well as metals and everything like that uh, has its day in the sunshine, basically. Well, I'm a full believer that uh, our society is not running on less commodities. It's only going to be more. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, gold and other commodities have, have suffered. Uranium has actually been a better performing commodity than most because of uh, the things that we've talked about. But it, if you just step back and you look at the supply and demand of uranium, um, we're consuming over 200 million pounds a year now uh, for uh, uranium for fuel for the nuclear power plants around the world. We're only producing 130, 140 million annually. So that's been a big drawdown of inventories, which really were made worse by Fukushima over 10 years ago. But we're now at a point where the market's really in balance and we see a very significant supply squeeze developing, not <clears throat> five years from now, but, <clears throat> excuse me, but in the very near term, um, you know, in, in uh, 24, 25, 26, uh, I think we'll even begin to see some of those impacts in the uranium price, you know, currently around $48 a pound, probably moving closer to $60 a pound over the course of next year because of this. So, um, yes, the, the broader economy has impacts, but nuclear power is baseload. It's, uh, it's running 24-7 all the time, uh, whether the the Dow is up or down or whether interest rates are high or low or inflation's uh, are running uh, high levels as it has been, nuclear power uh, plants are consuming uranium fuel. And so I think of all the commodities, I think commodities are going to be a very good uh, bet. Resource investors, their patience is going to be rewarded in 2023. But I think uranium will probably be the best performing commodity over the course of next year. Mm, interesting. Now, I'm curious to get your thoughts. You know, could, could the how, how will the events unfolding between Ukraine and Russia and you mentioned Kazakhstan, all those regions where uranium is you know, most prevalent? How can I guess the geopolitical tensions perhaps also mm -hmm. accelerate uh, the, the you know the price in uranium as well? Is that a possibility? Well, it is because uh, Europe and the United States and, and we've grown we've grown as an industry reliant on Russian, Kazakh and Uzbek supplies, you know, in the United States. Um, you know, that 60% reliance for the uranium portion of, of the nuclear fuel cycle is really unnecessary. Um, in the U.S. Congress, as we speak, uh, obviously, the House and Senate are, are uh, working to hopefully uh, conclude a budget bill or continuing resolution to fund the government. But in those discussions, there are uranium ban uh, legislative language that's in various forms, whether it's immediate ban or it's phased in over the next several years. This is an important step. Uh, that we will reduce or eliminate that reliance on Russia. We've already had a small modular reactor in Wyoming delayed by two years because the only uh, source of fuel for that type of an advanced reactor came from Russia. 
So we're actively um, in the U.S. industry trying to revitalize what's known as HALU fuel, high assay, low enriched uranium, that, that fuels that's kind of a higher octane nuclear fuel that, that powers these small modular reactors. So we want to see uranium uh, production return in a big way to the U.S. We want to see the uranium conversion, refining, and enrichment really step up. So uh, our reliance on Russia and, frankly, China going forward, uh, we're not a big uh, consumer of Chinese nuclear fuel in the United States, but we're a competitor on a global scale. They're the fastest growing nuclear power market in the world, and they are uh, very active around the world acquiring uranium assets, not just in the uranium sector, but in critical minerals, in the, in the minerals that are required in electric vehicles like copper, nickel, lithium, cobalt. The Chinese are out there playing the long game, and we, uh, I'm afraid we're uh, going to be playing catch up on that. So uh, at least with uranium, we have a pathway to see the industry revitalizing here, and uh, we're eager to be a, a part of that. Interesting. Now, you mentioned uh, China. I'm curious to get your thoughts on uh, the recent uh, President Xi going to Saudi Arabia and the deals that were we were told is that uh, they are trying to encourage Arab nations to trade in the yuan uh, out in the yeah. Shanghai exchange there. So I'm assuming that's definitely going to shake up the energy sector uh, on top of other things. What are your thoughts on that? Is that, and is that something of concern just for the oil industry as well? This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All the other minerals and things of that nature that you mentioned as well. Yeah, it, it does speak to it. Again, I think the Chinese take, uh, you know, it, it very much known that they take a thousand year view on on things like this. And so they're out acquiring uh, resources, almost acquiring entire countries in, in, in Africa, for example, that have the critical minerals that they need for their economy. They're striking these relationships, um, you know, with uh, with Saudi Arabia and other countries in a way that, that we're, we're not. And, and frankly, I think uh, the right strategy for us is to develop our own resources and not be reliant on those countries. But we need to we need leadership on that regard. So, um, you know, this notion that well we don't want to produce oil and gas here in our country, we want to just turn to Venezuela or Saudi Arabia as a mistake. But uh, we have a very big competitor out there, which China, and uh, they're looking after their interests, not ours. So uh, again, energy independence and independence and and, and supply reliability for those critical minerals is such an important point that I don't think as a nation we're really focused on right now. Interesting. Well, let's dive in more into the uranium. I'm curious to find out uh, any latest updates with the Uranium Royalty Corp. And so uh, for those who might be new to the audience, can you give us a brief rundown as to, uh, you know, just some of the things going on behind Uranium Royalty? Yeah, Uranium Royalty uh, Corp was founded about uh, six years ago, uh, listed on the on the Toronto Stock Exchange first, but then the NASDAQ trading as UROY uh, for the last year and a half. We just closed, uh, we rang the closing bell on the NASDAQ uh, uh, last month, which was a very exciting uh, day for uh, Uranium Royalty. But we basically saw the success of, of royalty and streaming companies in the base and precious metals sectors. These are companies like Franklin, Nevada, Wheaton Precious, Sandstorm, Royal Gold. These are companies that don't own the mines or have the big overhead and the GNA and the risk of, of, of building and, and operating those mines from a financial perspective. They own royalty interests 
in those mines producing. And a stream is just a, like a royalty, but it's a physical uh, payment in the form of, of, in our case, uranium. So we're the first and only uranium uh, or royalty company in the uranium space. And it's at a time where our industry needs billions of dollars of new investment for new mines to, to fill, fuel all these nuclear power plants that are coming online around the world today. And uh, so as we sit, we have about 18 royalty interests in mines in uh, Africa, in the United States, in Canada, and we're very actively looking to expand that portfolio, either acquiring existing royalties uh, that are in place today or establishing new ones. And the way we do that is we provide development capital to miners and developers. It could be 20, 30, $50 million to help complete uh, a processing plant or drill out a new well field. And in exchange, we will take a royalty uh, interest when they do produce in, in the form of a financial stream or a physical stream of the commodity. So for investors, it's a way to have exposure, top line exposure to these uranium mines, not you know, to clean up bottom line, but it also is diversified uh, pure play in the uranium sector. If you want, if you believe in this nuclear energy story and you want to buy into the fuel cycle of this industry, this is an excellent way to have interest you know, presently in 18 different projects around the world. But we also have physical uranium holdings in our portfolio. So our balance sheet has about 1.6 million pounds of uranium that was acquired uh, at very attractive prices as the market was coming off the lows. Um, and uh, so that's another nice balance sheet item that either just appreciates as the uranium price goes up or we turn it to cash and invest in more royalties and streams. So exciting time for uranium royalty. We were the best performing royalty company in the world. Uh, last year, almost 200% uh, return. We've been knocked back a bit. So we've traded a bit with the NASDAQ and down uh, you know, over 35% year to date. But uh, uh, again, I think the fundamentals for uranium really, uh, that's a, if that's not a buy signal, I don't know what it is. Interesting, interesting. So this upcoming year, 2023, any, anything in particular that you guys are keeping an eye on that you want to share with us uh, that really adds more value to the overall company itself? We really, uh, what, what the number one focus for myself and our small team here at Uranium Royalty is growth. So we're really looking to identify who are those miners and developers, whether they be in, in Australia, Africa, uh, anywhere in the world, you know, who are the companies that are going to emerge as the, the, the ones that can permit, license, or restart operations quite quickly and be part of the, the story really in the near term. Um, we want to align with those companies and, and add them into our portfolio. So look for us uh, to, to grow and, and add royalties to the portfolio, but also look for the uranium market. Uh, you know, we've been trading kind of sideways at the $48, $50 a pound level, which is not bad. I mean, we were at $17 a pound in 2016. That was the cycle low. Um, but we're still not at a point where it will incentivize new mines, but we're getting closer to that point. And uh, so uh, we're, we're you know, really excited for the uranium market recovering, nuclear power growth, and us adding more royalties to the portfolio in 2023. Interesting, interesting. So uh, I guess uh, as we draw towards the end, I get, where can investors find out more information and keep an eye on things and you know follow the updates as they come out? Yeah, so uraniumroyalty.com is our website. You can learn about our company and the various investments that we've made and we have in our portfolio. One of our largest shareholders and, and, co and co-founders of the company was Uranium Energy Corp. Uh, that's another interesting company to look at at uraniumenergy.com, which is a pure play minor developer in Texas, Wyoming, and Saskatchewan, Canada. So 
take a look at those sources. If you want to learn about nuclear power and, and the growth, not only here, but globally, go to the World Nuclear Association out of London on their website or the NEI.org, which is the Nuclear Energy Institute here in the United States, but lots of information. I think the more you research, the more you'll get excited. And uh, we're, we're very eager uh, to see what the what the uh, 2023 brings for our industry. Oh, sounds good. Oh, yeah. Congratulations on the listing on NASDAQ as well. And definitely guys making progress there. So I appreciate you, Scott, once again, for joining us and uh, giving us the rundown on the energy space and what you uh, foresee for the future. And thanks for presenting an opportunity with the audience. So once again, Scott, thank you for joining us on RT Interviews. Great. Thanks, Mike.